something is trying to get inside my body, and you want to sleep with me. Then give me those shoes, they're mine, give them back to me. Well, a, a boy's best friend is his mother. Hey, should you be folding towels somewhere, sniffing jockstraps? It is time to keep your appointment with the Wicker Man. It rubs the lotion on its skin or else it gets the hose again. What have you done to its eyes? I see no manhood between your legs. You're going to need death now. <laughs> the living dead. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Get away from her, you bitch! It was an asylum! And it was hell! 20 years of pure hell! The devil wins sometimes. What's that? Monsters. Hello and welcome to Screaming Queens, the queer horror podcast. My name is Jonathan Larkin and guess what? It's Halloween. I've always been one to go against the crowd, so whilst all the other podcasts are putting out their Halloween horror specials, I thought, we do that all year round anyway, so for Halloween, let's do something different. Instead, I'm hitting you with a filthy, raunchy, dirty little film from the 70s that might not be horror, but it's got plenty of screaming, plenty of panting, and enough moral bankruptcy to horrify the most hardened film-goer. And trust me, you will be hardened. Welcome to Sleazy Queens. I feel so sleazy. I'm joined tonight by two very special guests, and they are Andy Roberts from the Nasty Pasty Podcast. Hello, Andy. Hi, John. Are you okay? I'm not bad. And I'm also joined by Chris Brown from the Video Nasties Podcast. Hello, Chris. Hola. <laughs> are we okay? Are we all right, boys? Yes. Yes, so pretty good. This is, this is our first time together as the three, isn't it? Even though we, this whole thing was thought of as we would do it. Okay. Yeah, this is entirely, <laughs> entirely my fault. It's entirely my fault. Fucking <laughs> terribly. So like, we got it. Like took ages to get everything together, and then I was like, okay, so sound, sound, sound. We'll do it. And then I completely forgot and uh, agreed to do something. Like somebody wants, I've got a birthday present for you. Here's the birthday present. And we sorted it all out, and so I had to basically chip you off. Yes, yes. So the uh, first Sleazy Queens episode ended up just being me and Andy with Screaming Queens. And then the, the one after that was me and Chris with Screaming Queens. And then me and Andy again. So finally, here we are as a threesome. <laughs> and um, yeah. what a film to come together over. Oh, <laughs> come together. Bad, 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 bad choice of words there, John. <laughs> I know, I know. Well, it's, it's, it's like really appropriate for this fucking film. I'm, I am not. I, I, I am convinced nobody's orgasmed to this film. 
yeah. in any yeah. meaningful way. Although, Not even a, over the theme song. <laughs> I could, the guy who's, the people who were singing it probably did, but I don't know if anybody else. <laughs> So I can um, imagine I can imagine this being like some like you know in a in a house that sort of maybe regularly views porn. This is like one of those films that is at the bottom of the box and is only there when somehow all the other VHS tapes have been like ruined. Oh. <laughs> and this is the only choice. This, when this is like a this, last resort. Porn. When you say ruins, Andy, <laughs> what do you mean? I mean, like, your VHS recorder has completely tangled up the tape. I do not in any way infer that you have somehow came all over the place. I will say this very quickly. Um, In in the 90s, because I'm old, um, a a girlfriend at the time bought me an ex-rental of uh, Cronenberg's Crash uh, from the blockbuster in Preston. Uh, and every single sex scene in that in that copy of that tape, it just went dead fuzzy because obviously it'd be <laughs> loads of lonely <laughs> Bristol men in Preston rewinding oh, the wow. tape over just the sex scenes. Jesus Christ! Wow! Wow! So that of, that's of, a of crash, though. I mean, crash, yeah. there's, there's well, so that... many other films that would have been better for that. <laughs> Much like this film, which leads us to John. Oh, wow. Well, so before we get going, from tonight, Andy, you can jump in on this, you can help me with this. Um, From tonight, from this episode onwards, Screaming Mm. Queens podcast is supported by Horrified, the website that celebrates and champions British horror. It covers films, televisions, books, fiction and more, and you can visit Horrified at horrifiedmagazine.co.uk and find them on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram at horrifiedmag. Now, the reason I say Andy can help me out with this is, Andy, haven't you recently started writing for Horrified? Uh, yes, I have. Um, and how is that? It it's been really good, actually. I mean, it's um, you know, it's it's in early days. It's um, it's all you know, focused on British horror, but it's focused on every aspect of British horror. So I've been able to write about like a lot of different things. Again, because I'm a bit of a weirdo that way. Still about video nasties because that's like yeah. one of my passions. Of course. At the moment, I'm actually writing about um, a horror-themed video game that was made in the UK. So oh, nice. it's not just films. It's sort of everything to do with horror yeah. in uh, in the UK as a whole. So um, so far, I've just been really enjoying it. You know, it's it's nice to actually write about horror in a sort of semi-professional way. I mean, because um, I remember showing some of um, my stuff to, like, my family, and they were just like, oh, my God, you sound like an actual person that writes about films and i was like oh well okay that's because you are (laughs) like i try i'm trying do you know what it's weird though i mean i go through this all i mean i've been writing professionally for 15 16 years now and i still now have family members who say are you still doing your writing as if like i just like to scribble stories down or you know it's they, they, they don't quite get it so no, no. I, I still get, oh, you're still doing your drawings. It was like, yes. uh, well, it's more than just drawings. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's a lot more involved than just sketching in a pad. Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? It's funny that the, uh, when you say horrified, it's very, horrified, horrified Mag is very much focused on British horror because I saw the most British horror thing I've ever seen from Horrified today. And it was an article about the horror, um, the horror elements of Only Fools and Horses. <laughs> Yeah, I saw that. I haven't actually got down to reading no, it yet, I'm, but I'm, I'm interested. In t- 
Well, the, the only thing I can think of there was there was an episode called Saturday the Fourteenth. Uh, okay. <laughs> and I right. remember that they go fishing like down near Cornwall, and it's the whole episode plays out like an episode, well, like a, a Friday the Thirteenth film. So there's like an escape loony on the loose. Yeah, and there's not. like the whole thing of like you know you see a hand outreached and it moves a branch out of the way and heavy breathing and stuff like that. Mm. So that's the only thing I could think of. Yeah. But yeah. At the same time, me, me and you've talked about um, was it on the buses in the past? Yes. And yes, we both said that actually how kind of horrible that is really when you think about what's going on. So I guess you yeah. could find horror in in lots of things that you know by contemporary standards anyway but that's anything i could think of (laughs) only fills and horses for me it comes with this sort of stifling feeling of dread because it just reminds me of my childhood being forced to watch it when it really wasn't my humor so now nothing sends me running for for the hills more than the only fills and horses theme song so i can completely (laughs) understand why you'd be horrified by it Oh my! Yeah, I, I mean, I I wasn't forced to watch it, but I, I I quite like Only Fools and Horses. But it's one of those things that I can I'll watch like a big bunch of them, and then I won't go back for like several years. Like it's yeah. it's not a constant thing I can just watch over and over. Yeah. Whereas actually on the buses, I could fairly pretty much watch that all the time. But no, I know that's not no. your thing, is it, John? It makes me want to slash my wrists, actually. <laughs> <laughs> But I do like the fact that it's got the same theme song as the Hammer House of Horror. The music from <laughs> Hammer House of Horror is the same. It's the same music from from on the buses, but just just uh, jazzed up. Um, little tidbit for you there. Um, mm. So there you go, Horrified Magazine. Anything to do with British horror, you uh, that's your go to. And um, as as uh, luck would have it, tonight's episode of Screaming Queens isn't about horror at all. But it could horrify you, as I feel like it horrified Chris. <laughs> um, so the plot in a nutshell of tonight's film is Patrizia and Roberto, husband and wife and both actors, stay at, at an infamous, what Chris would describe as a sexy travelodge, for some fun and frolics. However, their stay coincides with a murder and the body is left in the trunk of their car. The body is discovered to belong to the wife of a prominent businessman, Patricia and Roberto are roped in by the vice squad to go undercover and uncover a blackmail plot linked not only to the motel, but to unscrupulous pornographers. They'll stop at nothing to cover their tracks and Patricia and Roberto's lives are in danger. Will they survive? Will they be clothed? Will anyone come out of this without an STI? There's only, <laughs> there's only one way to find out. It's time to check into the Play Motel.
can we get some? I, I need to get some initial re- responses to this film, Chris. You go first. Well, how would you sum this up in, as a okay? If you were to sell this with a blurb, okay. Well, if you were to sell it, okay. Um, so, um, like Jalo kind of fits into two 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 groups for me. Like you've got like the good stuff, like the classy stuff, shall we say? So like Deep Red, which was made a mere four years before this. And then you've got the stuff which is just wall-to-wall shagging and sleaze. And, like, so Sister Ursula, Black Belly of the Tarantula and stuff like that. Now, Play Motel is 100% in that second camp. And um, if you're a fan of watching middle-aged men's arses, which I don't (laughs) know, then you are going to have the time of your life. (laughs) Watching this film, I think that's a fair summation. I definitely think that's fair. Uh, Andy, what about you? What was what would be your your way of selling it? Oh God, um, <laughs> it's um, well, it's a bit like Chris said. There's definitely different types of Jello all across the the spectrum. Should we say? There's your standard ones, your standard stalk and slash ones, where yeah, yeah. You know, there's a real emphasis on mystery, and there's a yeah, black glove killer. Yeah. And it's all about that kind of intrigue between, you know, the potential victims and a killer. And then obviously at the end, they, they find out who it is. Then there's like your very early ones, like from the 60s and then late, was it early 70s? A bit like kind of just standard Italian thriller type things with like jet yeah. set um, adventure, maybe some spies thrown in there. Sexy and, and aspirational. Yes, yeah. Like so, sort of not not quite got to like the slasher type trope yeah. yet. But, uh, yeah, yeah. This one is, as like Chris said, it seems to be that there's less emphasis on the murder and even mm-hmm. less so on the bloody mystery because <laughs> if, you, if you watch this and you haven't guessed what the hell's going on within the first 10 minutes, then you clearly have been you know, hypnotised by all the arse on the show. Because, <laughs> yeah. because this is just lots and lots of sex scenes, but, but not even in a particularly erotic way, I have yeah. to say. Yeah. I, I think I'd mentioned it to you... Um, not so long ago, that this reminds me of a film called The Toy Box, which was around oh, yeah. um, about the same time. And that one is is also wall-to-wall sex scenes, but sex scenes that are supposed to be kinky, but in the end just come off as kind of laughable. Like, right. there's nothing yeah. slightly erotic about them. They're just weird. Uh, this is similar. It's a bit more erotic than that, but, yeah, it's... Um, it's weird. I didn't. I didn't even know that this was a Jello until the first death happened. Pretty much. I but, still uh, don't know that it's a Jello. <laughs> <laughs> I think. I think it's what it's done. It's. It's had like a quotient <laughs> to yeah. like meat to classify totally. it as a Jello. I think possibly just to sell it on a little bit better. Yeah. Because yeah. I think during that period, just a straight laced sexploitation film would have been fine but i think it clearly wanted to ride on the the coattails of something that was potentially going to make it a bit more money so i think they thought look let's just throw a bit of a mystery in there not particularly a strong one because like i said you can guess what's happening straight away but yeah it i kind of liked it but i acknowledge that it is so so trashy and so cheap (laughs) and yeah it's only going to appeal i think to a certain number of (laughs) of people should we say i think that if play motel had a texture it would be sticky (laughs) (laughs) um it would be tacky (laughs) 
um, and you would never want to take your shoes off to walk on it. Um, that would be my my summation of Play Motel. I feel like it's it's all of the things you both said and more and less <laughs> at the same time. It's kind of it is it is um, sort of awful. But the more I watch it, because this is my third viewing, the more I watch it, the more I find some there's something a little bit sort of sweet about it it's sort of it tries so hard to be so many things that you just kind of want to oh you know um <laughs> and it comes complete with like a cozy daft theme song which we will um lead chris will lead us in a rendition of that for the episode <laughs> um and it's it's um it's surprisingly colorful it's quite fast moving it doesn't really fuck about Hmm. Um, it's quite well paced in many ways and um, yeah I just think it's an absolute hoot I feel like it's a film to sit and get pissed and laugh at more than anything Um, but I kind of say that with love from the heart as well it was released in two versions apparently Um, it got a softcore and a hardcore version released at the same time Mm. Um, which was uh, commonplace in 1979, which is when it was released. And uh, what, what always makes me laugh is we've discussed this on a previous episodes is that the hardcore stuff was mainly aimed at a French audience. Mm. Um, it always makes me giggle to think how dare you French people. <laughs> <laughs> well, this was made for them. <laughs> I remember, like when I was um, when I did an article um, about Eurocine. Um, about yeah, when I was doing the one for Horrified, I found out that that was because mainly in Spain around that time, I think um, wasn't it, wasn't it still like um, slightly post Francoist yeah, era, yeah. something like that. Mm. So uh, pornography was like a big no no and kind of like outlawed by them. So that's why Spanish prints are always like cooler, should we say, than the French one. The French, I think, were what you know one of the few European countries at the time not to have so much censorship. Like Italy yeah. as as well was also a little bit more sort of prurient, uh, not prurient, a conservative, should we say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, the French just were, were fine with almost anything. So <laughs> it seems to be that most of the hardcore stuff was always reserved for the French. I mean, obviously us in Britain, we were even worse than the, than the Spanish. <laughs> we yeah. didn't want any sex in our films. Motel stars Ray Lovelock, Anna Maria, Anna Maria Rizzoli, Anthony Stephan, Enzo Fisicella, Marina Hedman, who um, we some of our listeners might know more than others, um, Patrizia Webberly and Mario Cutini. And um, it opens with an assignation at the titular, emphasis on the tit, titular play motel. Uh, <laughs> A businessman, Ronaldo Cortese, played by Enzo Fisicella, who we last saw cavorting in Malabimba, picks up a blonde in a red dress. She is Loredana Salvi, played by porn star Maria, Marina Heaven. Um, and she was in our previous, one of our previous episodes was on Emmanuel in America, and she was in that. Hmm. She was the lady with the Tarzan fantasy. I don't know whether we remember this one. I, I think I'm glad, you, I'm glad you mentioned Malabimba as well, because I've spent the last two weeks desperately tracking my brains about who he is. So I had a look on the um, on my IMDb and I couldn't spot him. I've been going slowly mad about because there's loads of people that you've seen in other horrific, yeah. trashy shit throughout the entire totally. film. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. And so, like, yeah. It's, it's, yeah, it's just been it's been slowly driving me crazy. <laughs> 
Yeah, totally. Ronaldo uh, and Loredana head off to a room with red walls, red and black leather at corner coach, erotic uh, Arabic art on the walls, and they strip to the wonderful theme song that Chris is now going to sing for us. Da da da! Like, the thing about these are, like, though, the, the, there is. There is like a thing, isn't there, where like they sing the song, like the name of the song, the name of the film in yeah. the song. Like I was watching yeah. John Russo's Midnight today, and like that has got the same thing going on all the way through it. And yeah. like oh, not, but not as it's, just, it's like a little folky version, isn't it? Where this is obviously a bit more, a bit more funk, but um, and just like it, it, it just grinds you down, man. It really grinds <laughs> you down. <laughs> See, I, I kind of, I kind of like the theme song, I know, I think just because the... it sticks in my head so much. We might be I getting, don't know. I just kind of like. Getting the, uh, we might be getting the straight gay divide here, Chris. <laughs> 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 Whenever this theme song comes on, me and Ben are like, "Oh, it's back on." And we're like dancing around the room. Whereas you're like, "No, it's crushing my soul." <laughs> so the theme, the theme song was actually stuck in my head for like a really, like a an alternative reason. So I think. With my version of the film that I was watching, I don't know whether the sound was mastered properly because I had headphones in watching it. And when the theme song kicked in, the left side of my head kicked in before the right side did. So there was like a nanosecond where the song like repeated itself like constantly. So I had like a kind of echoey, kind of almost phantasmagorical version of the song like in my ears. That's some heavy psych version. He's just fucking with you, man. It's amazing. They are. They're trying to get you in. Trying to get into the mindset of that red room. <laughs> That's what going with with so, the Karma Sutra painting on the wall. Yeah. Karma like, yeah, Sutra that, painting. Yeah. Like be done like by a three-year-old though. It was fucking. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it looked really awkward. That would have been very painful. That position. Yeah. The um, so all of the rooms in the hotel have these like have like a dressing up box, don't they? Basically, mm. and uh, so she dresses as a nun. When I say she's when I say she dresses as a nun, she puts the wimple on and that's it. So she's completely naked, other than that. Mm. And then and then he dresses as like a panto devil, complete with pitchfork. Um, and he demands that she say, "Lie down there, slave," um, and starts to sort of, you know. I noticed so, as well at this point, it's only two and a half minutes into the film. <laughs> There's already this. Yeah. Oh, completely, yeah. All, yeah. all I was thinking of when I was watching it, though, is like, sure, you would not, I don't think they've been cleaning those outfits properly. Do you know what I mean? I think like, I, it didn't mm. look like they were sorting the carpets, I cleaned the carpets, let alone the fucking spanking yeah. outfits. So yeah. I, I just think, you know, I mean, it, it, it's, the room, like they've made a lot of attention with the rooms, but the hallways seem quite, quite dirty. So no, no, not after the hallways. The hallways looked very utilitarian. It, I is. Thought. it, it is. really did. I just feel like those outfits could have walked out on their own. Yeah, oh. I feel. Yeah, yeah, I feel like those outfits. Yeah, if you, I mean, if you put one on too tight, you could get pregnant from one of them. Let's face it. So we go from this. So um, on this Blu-ray that I've got. The hardcore version is on there too, but right. the the scenes are only available as extras. So I've I've watched it without the scenes, and then I've watched those scenes separately. So mm. have you guys seen the hardcore scenes, or have you just seen? I've only seen the softcore version. Yeah, same here. 
because that's on Amazon, right? So that's where that way you watched it. Mm-hmm. Um, so the hardcore stuff does not add anything to this. It doesn't make it any more erotic. It doesn't make it any more fun. It's just kind of in keeping with it. So you haven't, you really haven't missed anything, basically. Um, so there's a rather sharp, blunt cut from this straight to, um, straight to the guy back at work in his office where he receives a blackmail letter. So we get straight into the plot, such as it is, um, that someone snap photos of him doing unspeakable things. And um, they, I mean, at one point in one of those pictures, it looked like he was actually shoving a cat of nine tails up her fanny. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> and I do wonder what the whole purpose was like, because there's one photo where he's clearly just draping the cat of nine tails on her ass rather than like just whipping her. I mean, like, mm. I mean, you know, they each to their own, of course, but it just looked mm. a bit odd, really. Well, maybe it's just that it was more posed than anything. Yeah. Because as as we as we know from the ending, spoiler alert, we know that he would have been aware that he was being photographed. So maybe he was. That actually is true. That is true. It's not like she's going to question his technique when she's got like that nun's habit over her head. So. Well, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So, and then, um, so basically we get straight into the blackmail and plot. So he's being blackmailed, they're saying pay up or these pictures will be leaked. So then he gets onto his, on the phone to his lawyer and the lawyer is actually in bed with his wife. <laughs> yes. He has um, the most elaborate phone message. Yeah. <laughs> Did you notice? You have three, what is it? You have 30 seconds to leave. <laughs> yeah, it's like you have 30 seconds to speak from now. But it's, but, but you know, it's it's all like very, very elaborate like, rather than just like, you know, I'm not in at the moment. I'm sorry. Please leave a message. <laughs> so did you guys get the, the English dub on Amazon or the subtitles? It's the, dub. the, the English dub. So uh, the, this is the first time I've watched the actual English dub. And um, what's that noise? And that is fireworks um, outside in Wavertree. They've, they've come back from where you are, Andy. Oh, sorry, that was before the record. Sorry. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, it's fireworks in Wavertree. That's oh. just how much. That's just how much we love this film. We've got fireworks <laughs> to replicate the fireworks in the bedroom. There we go. There oh. we go. Um, so yeah, uh, this is the first time I've seen the English dub. So it's the first time I've heard the voice actor that they had to play Altieri, the lawyer. Oh, fucking oh wild. my god! I, I I genuinely had to rewind it a couple of times to make sure I wasn't just hearing it wrong. But, yeah. but like so muddled, I really wasn't sure like exactly what nationality he was supposed to be. The wife was hilarious as well, Louisa. <laughs> she was hilarious. The voices were like a, they were a bit like remember Euro Trash. The yeah. dubbing on Euro, that's what it reminded me of. Absolutely. Mm. Um, so the wife, Louisa, gets hold of these incriminating photos and she takes them to the police. And the police identified the woman in the photos as being a poor model who appears in a magazine called Luxurious Women. Um, can I just say, did anyone else get, notice a glimpse of a man sucking cock in that magazine? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, See, you, no. You've got your, your telly's a lot better than mine, John. There is hardcore gay porn in that magazine. Wow. Yeah, I'm so annoyed now that I didn't see it. I oh. went back and paused it twice. <laughs> wow. Um, so obviously, so the inspector, whose name I didn't even get. DeSantis. DeSantis, right. So he, is he played by Anthony Stephan? Is that him? Yes, that's the guy. Yeah. Um, so DeSantis decides that obviously he has to go to the porno studios where they made the magazine. So we get the joy of being treated to a kitsch porno photo shoot. 
with mm. the photographer Willie, whose handsome long-haired Lothario, played by the very gorgeous Mario Cusini. Mm. Um, and he is an utter vile sleazebag, therefore completely irresistible to me. Um, yes, I I absolutely concur. <laughs> I, I, um, I think my, my note here is like there's a real swarthiness to Willie, but I'd absolutely let him get on top of me. <laughs> <laughs> I just, yeah, it's just, just catnip, isn't it, John? Absolutely Completely, catnip. yes, yes. Uh, completely horrible, horrible man. man yes, I'm angry. Um, <laughs> Instant ticket. <laughs> so obviously today I've been scouring the internet to try and find his other work, um, and he did actually do. He did appear in some hardcore porn movies. However, you can't find any of his scenes in them, and I don't think he actually made any hardcore scenes in them either. But he mm. was in he was in such classy films as there was a film called Natalie and a film called Bianca. Uh, one of them had Marina Hedman in there as well. And uh, but he also made before this he made some Plesiotesky films called uh, he made Godfather Squad, Day of Violence, Children of Violent Rome, um, but he was also in a film called The Porno Killers, mm. <laughs> and he was in a Bruno Mattei non exploitation film called The True Story of the Nun of Monza. Oh, that sounds See, that's, good. That's, that's, that's interesting. Yeah, I did that track like that absolute down. catnip. That one. I did track that down. Um, and had a little sort of quick look at it, and you can see it in an English dub version on um, it's a, a porn site. I don't know whether it was X Hamster or something, but it was on one of those. And that <laughs> that looked quite, you know, fun and quite quite innocent. Actually, uh, I, I've pulled it up here. Plot keywords: female, full real nudity, happy days, bare breasts, happy days, group sex, womanizer, horse penis. Right, yes, yeah, so... Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I was okay. just getting to that. <laughs> so, <laughs> it actually opens with, um, like, like, the shot of nuns and stuff, but then, like, two minutes into it, you see a horse fucking another horse, and it, and it cuts to Mario Coutini watching and, smir- and smirking, as if to say, yeah, I'm going to do that. Not wow. to the horse. Um, okay. Yeah. Well, so I mean, at least yeah. at least it's two horses. Yeah, I mean, there's there's always that. It's a step up from Emmanuel then, isn't it? <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's it's somehow more classy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so on with the plot as such as it is. So yeah. we see Marina Hedman's character, Loredano, who is the um who is the call girl who was used in the first black male photographs. She is attacked in her car, clubbed over the head with a crowbar, and then she's found dead in a disused quarry. So mm. um well, it does strike me that even though this film is light on actual story, we've already had two sex scenes and a killing in under 20 minutes. Yeah, yeah. Mm. You know, that, that isn't bad going, really. No, it isn't. Yeah. No. It was a very a very urban legend, wasn't it? The kind of guy creeping in the back of the car. And this she's... Yeah. It, it just gave me a bit of that vibe, really. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the plot thickens, or engorges, as uh, Louisa, the wronged wife, checks into the plane motel and follows a horny couple who are about to get it on. And mm. uh, she sneaks into a janitor's cupboard next to their room and finds that she's now behind a two-way mirror and can see right into their room. And she finds he's dressed as, um, is it a centurion? Um, I'm not sure. Is it like just a generic lion tamer? Oh, yeah, that be it. Not quite yeah. sure. That makes much more sense. Obviously, Andy, you're far more used to this kind of <laughs> dress up. I'm just so impressed, actually, that by the time she got to the one-way mirror, like the, the fact that um, 
that they got the kit off so quickly. Like, she there's was, just not yeah. enough time. She was already dressed. The woman was already dressed in like leopard print and being whipped. And oh, was she? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, um, I must have missed that. She was. Yeah. I mean, she was hardly dressed in it. You know, it was sort of hanging off her. Mm. And um, at this point, Ben looks up from his work and he said, "Would you say this is tawdry?" <laughs> 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 That's the perfect, perfect description. So uh, Louisa enjoys watching their tryst through the two-way mirror until suddenly she's attacked from behind and strangled. Mm. Um, And this is where sort of the plot, you know, kind of starts to kick in a little bit more. Um, What did you think of the death, the murder scene? Um, I mean, it was was okay. I've seen, you know, I've seen a lot worse, should we say. Yeah, I think it's probably one of the better... You know, it's it, it works. It was shocking, and um, it, it it yeah, it was better. There's there's a lot of stuff in this film which which isn't great, and mm. um, and that death was okay. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, it was all right. So it, it was a competent thing. It did surprise me a bit. I was like, kind of saw the you know, the, you see the black gloved hands and all that kind of stuff. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I feel a lot, I feel a lot more comfortable about where we're going with this now. Exactly, totally. Because yeah, um, it was only at this point that I was like, oh, this is actually a Jello film. I was like, what? oh, okay. I was like, I wasn't expecting that. I was expecting this to just to be, you know, wall-to-wall sleaze with hardly anything else. But And then when that happens, I was like, oh, okay, you know. Yeah. And then, yeah, like Chris said, it was like, I, I th- okay, I can kind of guess where this is going to go now. So, To be yeah. fair, Andrew, though, know, it is wall-to-wall sleaze all the way through. Like. Oh, it, oh, it still <laughs> is. But the, 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 here was me thinking, oh, right, this is going to be a little bit not what I expected. But, um, yeah. If I could just take this back to my sticky carpet analogy again, it's yes. almost like it's almost like um, there's like a jello stuck to a sticky carpet, and then um, and then a sex film and a Pletiotesky film walk past and it gets stuck to them as well. So it's like it's sort yeah. of on the bottom of their shoes. It's the it's the mixture of gunk on the bottom of their shoes. That's what this film is. Yeah. <laughs> It's a piece of chewing gum that got stuck onto someone's foot, and the chewing gum has just had various bits of garbage throughout the journey added to it. Better still, it's a used condom. Actually, that's probably a better analogy, isn't it? Stuck to the foot of a jello film. (laughs) That's what it is. That's exactly what it is. Um, Wonderful. (laughs) (laughs) So what I thought was quite interesting was it took 20 minutes for us to meet the leads of the film as well. So now we're yeah. introduced to Ray Lovelock and um, Anna Maria Rizzoli, who play Roberto and Patrizia. And they're just checking out of the Play Motel after they've had like a night there, just to sort of have a little bit of a spice up their marriage type mm. uh, night of sex. Um, and at this point, because I've got a real crush on um, Ray Lovelock, so I was already furious that we haven't got to see him have any of the sex that's happened in the last 20 minutes. I just think it's, like, <laughs> it's just, you know, it's like George Eastman all over again. So yes. surrounds yeah. my pony scenes, but too shy to actually partake on them. Um, <laughs> so we find out quite quickly that Roberto is an actor who's been dragged to the play motel by the wife and uh, he's missed an audition for this. So he isn't too happy, but he does, however, recite some Shakespeare using a mannequin's head in the car. Was it yeah. a mannequin's head, though? It, it looked like it was made of polystyrene, and I couldn't figure out what it was. It's not quite a mannequin's head. It's it's a, it's a head that you use for styling wigs, basically. So you place the wig on top of the polystyrene. Oh, head I see what you mean. You, yeah, you okay, use it yeah. to style. Um, a bit like and, something you'd uh, see at the beginning of Blood and Black Lace. A little bit, yeah. Yeah. Essentially, yeah. Without the budget. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> 
or the class. Oh, without Mario Barber, particularly. Without Mario Barber, essentially, yeah. Oh, without any, without anything, really. <laughs> Blood and Black Lace House. So their fun is interrupted when they blow a tyre and have to pull over. And then that's when Roberto finds a dead body in the trunk of the car. So we realise whoever bumped off Louisa ditched it in Mm. his boot before they drove off. But then Actually that was that was done in Blood and Black Lace too, wasn't it? Because they they find a dead body in the trunk of a car in Blood and Black Lace. And I think the beginning of um, Iguana with the tongue of fire has the same sort of thing. So it seems to be a recurring thing, finding um, a dead body in a car. Yeah. And then you just know what's going to happen next, don't you? So they schlep to a gas station to report the body, and then when they come back, shock horror, the body is gone. Yes. Of course. <laughs> but then it turns up in another part of town. Um, so this is the moment where the police sort of uh, they, they uh, piece it together that she's the wife of... I don't even know what the guy's job is. No, and it, like it a, never it never quite says, does it? He's just it supposed never quite to be. <laughs> yeah, is he supposed to be like a politician or something? I'm not even sure. I, I assume so because I mean, ultimately, um, otherwise, why would the I mean the blackmail? He doesn't really care about any of it. Any so you know, I think there's a suggestion that the that you know it would destroy his marriage but i mean he does not give a fuck about his marriage anyway so it, no, it must no. be like some kind of you know because <clears throat> i think the with that and with the um the bit of later with the uh, the bishop and uh, yeah. stuff as well it's kind of like kind of it's like that old catholic shame and kind of gig going on i think which would suggest mm. the positions of power yeah totally um so the police want roberto to get involved in their investigation by going undercover at the motel but it's sort of Patrizia. I mean, throughout this film, I feel like Roberto Ray Lovelock just sort of takes a bit of a backseat to Patrizia, pushes everything forward. Yeah, mm. she's the, she's the active the active person in this. Um, so yeah, he, he she, just does it because she wants to do it, sort of thing, doesn't he? Really? Essentially, she just thinks it's all a big lark, and she thinks it'll get it'll attract them attention, which mm. is great for a couple of actors. Um, so. Um, I must say, I thought Ray Lovelock looked great in his porno Tash and Aviators. <laughs> oh, um, goodness me, yes. I, um, actually, I actually just made a note that says, wow, Ray Lovelock in a fake moustache. <laughs> <laughs> there was, nothing, there was nothing, nothing else to say, really. Did you notice the J&B whiskey when um, Inspector oh, DeSantis yeah. comes over to visit? Yeah. Oh no, I didn't see that. I've missed that. I was, I was kind of, I was going to say, I didn't, I, I didn't. They mu- it always has to be, doesn't it? You always kind of feel oh, it, well, it's, it's, not it's, there. it's there on the table, and um, Patrizia basically just says, "Would you like, you know, would you like a drink, Inspector?" It's like whiskey, please. I was like, "Oh, well, there's a, there's a fucking surprise." <laughs> <laughs> and I think in the same conversation, he says something like, "Because um, he's talking about one of the suspects," and he says. Um, they were they were imprisoned for the crime of immoral earnings, and I just thought, is that a crime? I mean, would there be a politician left in the world if that was like <laughs> immoral earnings? I just thought, wow, amazing. I did one to myself, but then I suppose it's Italy in the seventies. You never know. Yeah, well, yeah, you do you do never know, I guess. But uh, <laughs> um, Anna Maria so- Rizzoli though is really really like pretty. I'd say like you know she. Quite effortlessly glamorous, I'd, I'd say. Yeah, she's scene. beautiful. She's very, very pretty. Would you agree, Chris? Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. She, yeah, yeah, she's a she's a shining light in a in a very iffy group of people during the rest of it. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> a very um, iffy group of people. Well, I mean, you know, you don't want to be horrible, do you? Some of these people are still alive, but yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> you might want to tread carefully there, Chris, because I'm a big fan of the lady that's about to be introduced. So anyway, um, <laughs> so they um, basically are asked to go undercover at the at the play motel and um they're told to keep an eye out for porn empresario Max Ligori, played by Marino Masse. And what do you know? The minute they start their undercover operation, in walks Max with the stunning Patricia Webley as Valeria Marzotti. So this woman, um, so as as you probably guess from my Twitter feeds, I'm quite a big fan of the Cock Destroyers, Chris. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <porn stars. laughs> I've seen the pictures. Yes. So Patricia Webley, I feel like, is the prototype cock destroyer. I think she's fantastic. <laughs> I think she's blonde. She's got a she's blonde with a big with big boobs, a big red mouth, big white teeth, and she looks like she would eat you for breakfast. Um so for me that's like catnip. So I love her. I, I think she um so our listeners will have uh, will remember our episodes about Malabimba, which we recorded last year or the year before, and I talk a lot about Patricia Webley in that because I feel like she steals the whole show playing the oversexed aunt. Um, I feel like she's like really sort of um, engaging and funny and filthy. So this is her little moment to shine. So she comes walking into the play motel with Max and she's been dubbed with a very high-pitched voice. That is not the same as her husky tones in Malabimba. Um, (laughs) But what is the same is that she whips off her top within two minutes of being on screen. (laughs) It clashes um, so badly though with the theme tune, doesn't it? Like, <laughs> yes, it, it feels a little bit like a sex comedy happening rather than something that's supposed to be erotic. I feel like there's elements of sex comedy in this film, though, with everything else. It would make sense because um, yeah. it's Italy had a big um, boom of like sex comedies, didn't it? Almost at the same time as horror was 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 a thing. So it's yeah. possible that they just thought, oh, well, actually, let's throw a bit of sex comedy in there too, just to you know spice things up. Because I feel like you know, I feel like the the outfits that they choose in the in this film to have sex in, like the devil the devil's outfit earlier on, and now this time she picks out her cardinal's gown for Max to wear. Mm. Um, I feel like those aren't they can't be there to be taken seriously as sexy. Well, no, I, I, don't, assume... know if, I don't know if Chris noticed this, but do you know when um, when Max is actually <laughs> in well, his? Um, when he was in his like cardinal outfit, like everything about it, like I could, I paused it and I thought he looks exactly like the killer from Mardi Gras Massacre. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> like, like, like he has the same sort of face, same sort of outfit. He's got his arms posed in the right way, and he's he's got a room draped in red, and it looks exactly like when the killer is revealed in Mardi Gras Massacre, oh, which came out the year before this. So I'm just wondering yeah. whether do you think they noticed because that's also like. Uh, you know about a sleazy character who lures women into his hotel room. It is, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you reckon he was looking when he was when he was oh. trying to meet him? He was looking for the most evil woman he could. That's what I mean. And he always picks up prostitutes. So it's like it, it seemed to me, just to me, it, it was it just stood out. I was like, this feels like it's been ripped from Mardi Gras Massacre. So there's no I mean, gore in this film like Mardi Gras Massacre. Though. Oh, I've no, never seen it. Not. No, absolutely not. I've never seen Mardi Gras Massacre. I feel like I need to add this to my list. It's like Blood Feast. It, it, it's virtually a remake of Blood Feast, isn't it? But just set in New Orleans during Mardi Gras. Yeah. So. Ah, 
Right. And it's 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 fun. It's trashy. It's it, yeah. don't expect like a masterpiece, but it is. It's definitely fun and trashy. Yeah. Yeah. I'd say that much. Uh, okay. Um, so these two are getting down to it. He's dressed as a cardinal, and she's essentially writhing around on on the bed, licking her lips. And I feel like during this scene, um, one of the first things that drew me to this film in that book that I mentioned earlier. Um, was the the shot from above where she's lying on the on the circular bed on top mm. of a red a red rug with loads of little sorts of straggly ends on it and it looks like blood. It does, yeah. Like, it looks like she's just had a really heavy period or something on that bed. Well, when I saw well when I saw the poster, I was just like, I I, I thought that it must be blood. You know, like I yeah, thought, like, what on earth is this scene? You know, like, yeah. so it was strange that actually it wasn't blood at all. <laughs> but yeah, um, no, yeah. Um, but Patricia, so Patricia Webley, I wanted to go online and get all the information I could about her before we recorded, and you can't find anything. She's just like the woman who doesn't exist. Um, but I did manage to track down a few of the titles with the help of a friend of the podcast, Gary Needham. And he, I found one of them on YouTube. Uh, sadly, there are no subtitles, but I don't think that makes it any less baffling. It's called With Sex, The World Is Beautiful. And um, it appears to be some strange hybrid of dystopian sci-fi and Victorian fairy tale with a sex comedy hmm. element to it as well. Um and essentially, it's a bizarre excuse for loads of tits and fanny, so it is in keeping with the rest of her career, as we know. Um, yeah, well. She also turned up with Ajita Wilson in a film called Black Deep Throat. Interesting. Um, okay. Yes. Interesting. What yes. could that be about? So hmm. I found that on on tubepornclassic.com. And... Um, <laughs> Again, sadly, no subtitles. And it's like the softcore cut, um, but it basically just looks like a shit black Emmanuel. Mm. Um, and in that, she appears to be playing a secretary. So like you got Ajita Wilson playing a photojournalist, which is familiar. Um, and she's investigating a sex cult. And I think Patricia works for her newspaper or something. And mm. she mainly, answers, throughout the film, she mainly just answers phones in a very dramatic manner. Um, <laughs> although... At one point, at like an hour into the film, she does like les off with Ajita Wilson. She sort of climbs into bed with her while she's asleep. Mm. Um, but but then it just cuts straight to the morning after. Oh, um, yeah. yeah. But, so, 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 clear, yeah. so clearly, there's a hardcore version out there somewhere. There must be. There well, must um, be. If it's called, if it's got Deep Throat in the title and it's a softcore version, I mean, you're being very much shortchanged there, aren't you? And Ajita mm. Wilson went on. She made like hardcore stuff in the eighties, so I imagine. It oh must yeah, be. she did. She's um, I did um. Do you remember that film I talked about called Hotel Paradise? Um, oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, she because she, she was in that, and uh, she was in the sister film that was at the same time called Hell Prison or um, <laughs> Escape <laughs> from Hell. Virtually the same film repackaged, really. But um, but again, she had some actual hardcore scenes in that as well, where she kind of just yeah. like frigs herself with a with a smoking pipe, <laughs> from wow. what I remember. So she 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 was probably wasn't averse to doing hardcore scenes herself. Yeah, so, um, it looked it looked like there were quite obvious sort of moments where things would go a bit more hardcore, but they they went there. Um, yeah, yeah. But Ajita Wilson, um, there's also there's there are also other things to discuss about Ajita Wilson in a separate podcast, which I'm not going to spoil at the moment. But yeah, our queen. I think I know what you can. I think I know what you mean. Yeah, that might. Yeah. <laughs> Certain rumours about the GCW so which we won't go into it for this episode. So <laughs> come back to hear what that is all about. Um, so back to the film. So Patricia Webley and um, Max are getting down to it on the bed, and then we cut back to the uh, 
we cut back to the lobby of the motel and um, Roberto sees gorgeous Willie show up <laughs> um, mm. and then doesn't follow him upstairs to bum him. So at that point, I'm fuming. Um, but <laughs> he does actually say uh, to, the reception, to the receptionist, I'll take it in the booth, which made me giggle. Um <laughs> So Valeria, played by Patricia Webley, she strips off to like a a, a really cheap version of Shatem. Was that on your version? Mm, I don't remember that. I, one. I don't remember that. No. I yeah. Um, I remember a um, golden snake going on her fanny. <laughs> yeah. To be fair, I might have been distracted. Yeah. Yeah. That bit was a bit unexpected. I have to say. Oh, you do see a bit more uh, gammon flap than you would expect. <laughs> yes. yes. I get like I genuinely didn't expect it to go like because obviously I was expecting this to have the soft core version. So when that happened, it was like, whoa, okay, that's almost yeah. almost bordering on you know yeah. the edge, should we say, yeah. Yeah. Mm. It's Completely, completely. Did you did you notice the music though when when she's having sex and it's all like reverberated and echoey, and it's like she's given you know it's like there's sounds of pleasure but they're like integrated as part of the song but i just had to laugh because just as the scene ends you can hear someone in the background of the song like whispering get me a cigarette yes so <laughs> did, you, did you hear so, that <laughs> yes yes so that's exactly what i mean so that's the version of Shatem. oh okay. right okay yeah that, that's, but, that's the song but isn't that when she's like shagging i didn't know she uh, I'm pretty sure that was like when they were shagging because it was towards the end of it, and it was like, but "Get me a cigarette." Yeah. That's, ah. the, that's the actual. That's the actual song. Oh right, okay then. <laughs> yeah. The actual song has "Get me a cigarette" in it. Wow. Yeah. Okay. I know. I know. <laughs> um. So, uh, Max. Uh, where are we now? So Willie is behind the cut, behind the mirror, snapping photographs of this sex scene, and. Uh, Max is looking right into camera because he knows exactly what's going on because he's behind all this. And then um and then we see we basically see that essentially Max is using Play Motel to get wink uh, wank material for his porno mags <laughs> and a spot of blackmail at the same time. We get to the point where Patrizia goes undercover to find out more about Willie. Mm. And uh he he basically like sort of bullies her into stripping off. Oh, he is. He's like, was it? Let me see your tits. <laughs> Pretty oh, much. It's and it's, then it's like the most me too fucking five minutes of of. Uh, it really is. It's, it's and he's like he's like he's like needing needing her, her her boobs and saying no, you you I have to put your nipples up because they have to stand out. Yeah. <laughs> it's like wow. Okay. Although essentially, so that, you know, that did happen in Showgirls too. <laughs> um, uh, well, yeah. Only he used the ice cube. Um, this is where I notice just how sleazy and dirty Willie's dub is. Willie's English mm. dub. It's, it's so the voice is horrible. I just I just love it so much. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so first off, she sort of acts all shy, but then essentially she whips her knickers off and rides around, making love to the camera, mm. like she's dab handing it. Um, she's got, you know, she's got to be a it. And then she gets out of there without being raped, which is always a plus. Well, there's an attempt. Isn't there's there? an attempt. Yeah, he, yeah, yeah he just sure. basically goes like, "That fuck it, I'm just gonna just just jumps on her." Like, yeah, just jumps, from, jumps on her. Jumps on her. Yeah. And then kind of just attaches himself. He's just like, oh, I'm so sorry. I couldn't control myself. <laughs> and, then <laughs> yeah. it, and then it's just kind of forgiven as she just goes yeah. to the toilet. Yeah. 
Did you that, notice this bathroom, by the way? Like the custard yellow wallpaper with like white oh. flowers. <laughs> oh, it was yes, like a was really horrible, horrible busy. wallpaper. Yeah, busy for the bathroom, definitely. Oh, it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I loved the bit after this where she says, "Playing detective is madly exciting." <laughs> Never mind the attempted rape, you know. I, I know it's it's all it's all perceived so casually and like haphazardly. Like it's like they're not they're not really aware of just how much danger they're in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, like Roberto does give the impression that he, like, well, Ray Lovelock does give the impression he's in a completely different film to everybody else. Like he's, like he, I, I, I it does give, it does look like they've kind of like shoveled him. Go, no, we're not going to do anything sleazy. Don't worry, Ray. We're all fine here. And he's like, he's, he, he, I, I'm sure in his head, he's, he's like, he looks like it's some kind of like, um, like an Argento. And then he gets off, and then like they just fill the entire room with Fanny. Yeah, yeah. And that's <laughs> that's also that is actually his story, and he's sticking to it as well. <laughs> um, he talks about that. He basically says that uh, he he doesn't have any fond memories of making this film. He says that uh, he said that that work with the director. Um, so the director is what's his name? What's his name? Uh, Mario Gariotto, isn't it? Mario Gariotto, yeah. who goes under the name for this one of, um, I'll be Roy as Roy Garrett. Mm. He says that Roy Garrett was really nice to work with. He was a really lovely director, really pleasant and kind. He says, however, he was in pretty dire straits at the time, and that's why he made the film. Which you can kind of tell by watching it. You can see that he mm. doesn't really want to be there. And then he says that he had no idea that the hardcore stuff was going to be filmed and inserted into this. So uh, he basically says that, um, and a lot of the cast and the director even says this as well, that they didn't know that the hardcore stuff was going to be part of the film. So they were all furious after it came out in those two different versions. Um, and Ray Lovelock basically says that if he'd found out sooner and met the people who did who put the hardcore inserts into the film, he'd have physically attacked them for doing it. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, okay. That's, that's <laughs> yeah. strong. Strong words, yeah. That's his story, and, I'm st- and he's sticking to it. <laughs> uh, I think, um, I think, I think with the actors, I can kind of swallow it, but with the director, I'm a little bit more like, mm, you know, what? Really, you didn't know that they were making hardcore scenes to go into your film. Well, I mean, the Italian directors always seem to use the excuse of, "Oh, well, the producers insisted on it after, like, That's you know, it, the editing yeah. was done." It's, yeah. it's, it's always a producer's fault somewhere with with Italian directors. Yeah. It's always the same. It's the same with animal cruelty too. It's just like, oh, well, I didn't want to shoot it. The producer pressured yeah. me into putting it in. It's just like, yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm the same with you. I, I don't necessarily trust their word on it really. <laughs> yeah. It's because, you know, it's with some inserts that you see, you can see it's from even from a completely different film, different era, whatever. But with this, the the, the hardcore scenes are on those sets. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Mm. They were made yeah. at the time on those sets. So it's a little bit like, well, what did they do? Sneak back in once the director had gone home? I don't think so. <laughs> you know. Um, so anyway, uh, Valeria um, is the next to be blackmailed. They want 100 million lira, which is about mm. 40, £43. <laughs> and... Um, <laughs> So she goes to Max for help, not realizing he's the one who's pulling the strings. He's behind the whole mm. thing. She's being played by him and Willie. Um, and we see it. So we basically get to see them at work. And then we get more kitsch 70s living room porn being shot on a neoclassical velour sofa. Um, so we see Willow, Willie doing another shoot with a naked lady with a fan. 
Mm. So it was quite, you know, for this film, it was quite classy. Um, and then she is replaced by Anna, who's played by um, Antonella Antonori, who was in Burial Ground. Oh, yes. Leslie. Uh, yes. <laughs> yes. Leslie yes. from Burial Ground. <laughs> um, and she's in blue chiffon and flowers in her hair that look like they've, they've come loose. And she uh, she ends up in a spread um, entitled Erotic, Erotic Confidences, A Woman at Full Speed. We see that magazine is being read by Guido Toselli, and he's like a banker or a senator or something high ranking. Mm. And um, he crows about like living a life of moral decency, but is secretly into a bit of S and M. And he sees he sees an ad in the personals in the magazine. <laughs> so it's from an aristocratic woman looking for someone to beat her and whip her. <laughs> someone of um, what was it? Someone of equal social and moral like yes. standards. Yeah. Yes. Well, you know, it's yeah. you know, it didn't have fat life back then. You know, you got to do what you can, haven't you? <laughs> mm. um, so we soon see it's another trap and he's being led to the play motel and this time it's Anna who we saw in the blue chiffon posing as the kinky Aristo looking mm. for filth and frolics and we get to see some champagne water sports which I thought <laughs> yes. was fun I, I genuinely thought it was piss <laughs> yeah. <a> long time. <laughs> yeah. I was like th- it's like this old guy is so like so frothy <laughs> like, oh. <laughs> What's and then it was thinking? like, oh, oh, it's a bottle. <laughs> so unsexy. It's just thank, like, thank heavens. Nobody, nobody could possibly go, right. So like, make it like you'll be, you enjoy having champagne poured on you while you're on all fours. Just, just, just go for it, girl. Like, no, it's just, of all the things, it was just, at this point, I'm watching, you go, what the fuck? What, how have they even decided to do this? Well, for me, I feel like there's a bit of a message there. Um, sorry, I know, I know, no, I know. Oh, go on, go I on. I know, I know. But I did, <laughs> I did think that it was interesting that you've got this guy, right, who is, um, you know, he's he's all like moralistic. He's 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 part, you know, he's in sort of high society. Uh, he's a banker, and he preaches about being morally clean and straight laced. Um, and yet he's the one who wants to shove champagne bottles up women's asses. Um, you know, and he's he's literally using a symbol of his elite's position in society as a sexual aid. <laughs> Is it just me? Uh, no, that's just fair. Me? That's fair. I mean, it's all about hypocr- I'm... I think it is meant to be like an element of like it's all meant to be elements of hypocrisy and um, oh, you know, so like all like yeah. the Catholic stuff is totally like you know exactly. that's why they're yeah. ashamed, not because yeah. they're getting caught shagging, but because you know he's wearing I don't know, there's a wimple on the go or something like that. There's a wimple, there's a devil, there's a wimple, <laughs> there's a devil, there's a there's the cardinal's outfit, mm. so that you've got all of these little moments of you know oh we're going to laugh at religion and turn it into something seedy and sexy, and then as I say, you've got the straight laced banker who's like you know meeting up with someone else who's uh, you know aristocratic and looking for some of the equal footing social footing using you know it's like champagne literally they're using champagne bottle as a perverse sex game yeah um, or it could just, but, just you know like they're both rich and the champagne is is literally like his his penis you know it's just like yeah. this is my sex organ yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah i'm yeah. using my money and my lavish lifestyle and I'm going to shower mm. you in it, <laughs> you know, pretty much. So I feel like if that's if there's any kind of uh, message or or drive behind this kind of stuff, then that that that's possibly what it is. Or I'm just a pretentious cunt. <laughs> <laughs> 
No, I think, I think in, in a way, I think you're right, though. It's definitely, there's definitely more to it than just like trying to be sleazy for, for no reason. But, but it's still definitely a, a strange, strange scene. This is, this is the oh, only so time, it, this was the only time in the film where, because I was watching this in the living room, like on my laptop with the headphones in. This was the only time in the whole <laughs> film that Alex looked over at what I was watching and it was the shot of her ass. And the very excited Guido literally holding the champagne bottle and going forward. <laughs> and, and he obviously emotioned for my headphones to just be taken out. And I went, well, what is it? And he went, what on earth are you watching? <laughs> I went, well, you know, you, you know what sort of films I watch. And he just, he just shook his head and looked back at the telly. Yeah, you should just throw your hands up and say, it's play motel, innit? Play motel, <laughs> mate. Yeah, yeah, play motel. How do you not play look, innit? <laughs> Um, so now we get it's up to Patricia to take the reins of this whole undercover sting thing so she goes to Anna who we've just seen get buggers with champagne ball and she talks around into helping her get Willie and Max otherwise you know she'll be roped into more blackmail and she you know her life will go to shit so Anna basically has to go and keep Willie busy whilst Patricia goes snooping in his drawers um (laughs) And does anyone else think that when Anna kisses Willie, it's the worst kiss you've ever seen? Um, yeah, she's, uh, well, clearly she's distracted, really, because she is the distraction. But, yeah, she really didn't uh, She didn't give it enough welly, really, for my liking. Oh, just all this weird licking of lips. Oh, I don't yeah. know. It just, made, it just made me have to do a little sick. <laughs> There's a lot of it knocking about in this film, though, isn't there? That first, uh, that first sex scene, he looks like he's going to like kind of inhale her. His mouth yeah. just kind of. It's like yeah. I don't know. It's like that bit in Stranger Things when the head opens up. Mm. <laughs> well, to, well, to be honest, I remember in the beginning thinking like he's kissing her and it looks passionate, but he's literally just stuck on her chin. He's not going near her lips. He's just passionately tonguing the chin. And it's like, this this oh. is just wrong. Like, he's in the wrong angle. Oh. Yeah. And I just kept thinking, he looks like his breath smells of garlic as well. But anyway. <laughs> who's, who's this? Um, Willie? Oh, no, no. Sorry, I was thinking back to... Um, Ronaldo. At the beginning. Yeah, Ronaldo at the beginning. Um, so they get what they want, what they want, but poor Anna is in for it as she is, um, as Max and Willie realise what they've done, and Anna is strangled in her apartment as she tries to call Patricia for help. It's very Halloween, um, isn't it? Like it was quite, it was quite a good scene actually. I thought it was. I mean, you it's know, all, is... it's almost exactly the same as when Linda gets killed in in Halloween. Like you know, yeah. she's phoning someone and literally gets strangled as she's, yeah. as she's on the phone with somebody. So. Yeah. yeah, that was also a pretty pretty decent scene, I thought. I quite liked it, yeah. I thought it was good. I thought it was good jello. Um, so Patricia's next on the list, and she's scrabbled outside the home and kidnapped and beaten very nastily by Max's thug. Did you see what he said to her? He's like, talk, you little bitch, or I'll turn your face into hamburger. Hamburger? <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, again, quite nasty, because that character's been there the whole film, hasn't he? But he's just like the desk clerk, you know. He's in the background, yeah. He, he's like the bespectacled guy in um, Hostel, like the guy that's behind the counter yeah. and knows what's happening, but doesn't say anything. Yeah. Um, so uh, I'll be honest with you here. So after this, I glazed over for like five minutes and then came... <laughs> Came back just as the police shoot Max. <laughs> <laughs> so quickly he fell to the floor, and it looked so awkward for the actor to be sandwiched yeah. between the the gap in that way. But yeah, pretty good. You know, he played what he played death quite well. 
And during this whole time, Ray Lovelock just sort of stands in the corner of the film, doesn't he? And kind of doesn't really do much. Um, so basically the reveal is the whole time we've been in the dark as who the big boss actually is. But the whole time it was, it was uh, Cortese, whose wife was made at the start. Yes. Um, and we hear from Leigh Lovelock's lovely Miss Marple summation at the end that Cortese was the one running the whole show with Maximilian as his front man, and he blackmailed himself to give himself an alibi and had his wife murdered because she was almost onto his dodgy dealings. Mm. I mean, it's a terrible plan. I mean, well, yeah, it's a fucking shocker of a plan. I mean, <laughs> it, it literally is his undoing. Everything he does leads to him getting arrested. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Just. It's very true. Fucking stupid. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I love the um, last minute shade though that's thrown by um like Ray Lovelock where he's just like um you know I didn't kill anyone so, and he's like oh well to kill someone you have to have guts you're yellow <laughs> it's just you can see that really incenses him <laughs> and then obviously we get the visual clue don't we that actually it's it's Willie who is the the gloved killer you know the the kind of person that's did all the killings oh I missed that. Yeah, well, there's in the flash, well, in the dark bit where, um, you know, the, the women are getting killed, there's like this flash of like this amulet. And then it kind of it pans on this amulet. You're like, oh, so this is the killer. And it pans up and it's it's just Willie, you know. So Willie is actually oh, the killer who's been doing the dirty work. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But then he gets so killed, does he show... doesn't he, by, um, well, yeah. by using a human shield. You know, he's, he's just a... a sort of. Very short, sharp shootout, isn't there? Yeah. And he gets shot. Yeah. Um, quite easy. The big bad, the big boss is taken away in handcuffs. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have a great all's well that ends well <laughs> line at the end. And uh, the next time you feel like making love, try finding a motel without mirrors. <laughs> <laughs> like it's it's so casual. I mean, like yeah. that's you know, if you were actually embroiled in this kind of espionage, this kind of, like, crime investigation, like, it would be exciting, like, even, you know, even if you didn't get shot at. But it's so casual. They just kind of, like, probably just go home and, like, order a curry. You know, it's just like, <laughs> there's nothing that exciting that, seem, yeah, that they seem to have experienced. It's just like, oh, well, you know, nearly died. Ha, 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 you know. <laughs> That's it. It's just so casual. Like, where's the excitement? Yeah, no, I know. They just sort of laugh and then cut straight to credits. Um, so, yeah. I mean, it sort of starts in a very sort of abrupt, quick way and then ends in a very abrupt, quick way. So I suppose in that sense, it's, you know, yeah. it's quite... Um, uh, yeah, so there we go. Um, and that's that's where the film ends. Would you watch it again, boys? Mm, I think I'd have to be really in the mood to watch it again. I don't think I'll be watching yeah. it for a while. No. But, um, you know, I think it's like you said, I think it, this is sort of perfect if you have a few friends around and you have a few drinks and you just laugh they're at perverts. <laughs> well, well, you know, even better if they're perverts, but because yeah. that's probably not happening for a while, <laughs> re-world yeah, events. Um, yeah. yeah, it's probably going to stay on my shelf just for a while, you know, yeah, yeah where, where it probably belongs for a bit. Yeah, totally. Chris, would you watch it again? Yeah, fuck it, why not? Um, I think it's like, I, I mean, it's, it's like, well, that would be viewed as, like, I watched it once and it, it just kind of washed over me and I, I was kind of panicking and I didn't know if I was going to have enough, you know, anything to say in these kind of, you know, for the podcast. Yeah. So like, so then watched it the second time and I was like, oh, oh no, this is, this is insane. This is fine. So yeah, I would give another go. I kind of always imagine, for me, 
I I I always want to watch it and intercut it with bits from from that Alan Partridge when he's stuck in the hotel. So I, I, in my head, like when they're all doing, you know, they're all dressed up as nuns and whatever, and fucking like, there's two doors down, you've got Alan Partridge on the phone asking them to turn porno on his TV. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah. just because the, the yeah, the, obviously the room, the rooms are completely utterly not connected to how the, to the rest of the the sets, but yes. um. But like yeah, so it there's there's something there. I I I I didn't. I mean, I've obviously said it is trash and it is awful. But I I didn't hate it. Like I wasn't yeah. bored. I was. You know what? I wasn't bored, and that's a good thing. That's this is this is the important thing. So can I just make a confession, right? So um, I keep trying to like Jess Franco films, mm, yeah. and I keep being really bored by them. And today I watched The Demons. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, and I was so fucking bored. It's for slow. It. It's really slow. slow. The sex scenes were so unbelievably dull. Mm. Um, the violence wasn't great, really. Um, so it didn't deliver on any on any level for me. I thought it was just really boring. Mm. And every every Jess Franco film I've seen, I've felt similarly, but I've thought, no, there'll be another one. There'll be the one that hooks me in. Mm. And I thought the demons was going to be it. Um, what I could say about Play Motel is there wasn't a moment in it where I was bored. Mm. Apart from, you know, towards the end, I glazed over a little bit, but I think I was just overwhelmed from all of the all of the middle-aged at Manas, you know, which, you know, um, has happened to me many a time. Um, <laughs> but... Um, yeah, I've never been, but there's, there are, there's no sort of long, empty f- scenes that are dull in this film. It sort of gets in, does its dirty little trick and gets back out again. Mm. Um, so I feel like that's to its credit. I don't know if Chris would agree with me on this, but I'd say, you know, Jess Franco's stuff is definitely slow. Most of it is slow. Um, but I'd say if you were thinking of like just one film of his that you'd probably enjoy, I'd have to just put forward Bloody Moon. Like, oh, I've seen that. Yeah, yeah. Blood, Bloody that. Moon. I'd say is probably yeah. the most entertaining out of his filmography, like for for horror fans especially. Yeah. Like that one's just yeah. a real hoot. But the rest of his stuff, especially his sex stuff, it is quite laborious and um, what's the other word? Like quite soporific. Like just sleep yeah. inducing. Yeah, it's sort of sleep inducing. Whereas you know, like if we watch something like this, or we watch uh, Malabimba, or we watch the Black Emmanuel series, mm. there's something about those films that is so. Awful in a way, so so sort of. Oh my god, you you know, you know that you know that way where a sex scene is so um is so trashy mm. and and tacky, like you know, champagne bottle up the arse, or you know, Malabin but fucking herself with a teddy bear, or um <laughs> you know, or Black Emmanuel, you know, um Neves Navarro getting done up the arse by um Percy Hogan, you know, they're either hilarious or erotic. Um, or just really trashy. Whereas from from what I've seen of the Jess Franco stuff, the sex in them is just really, really dull. Yeah, I think that's yeah. understandable. I mean, like when the stuff like fra- f- fans of Franco um, will always point to like the more surreal stuff, like Vampire's Lesbos, like when he goes quite psychedelic yeah. and stuff. Um, yeah. But even that's, I think, would you, even they would argue that that stuff's an acquired taste. Mm. Um, and um, you know, he made two hundred films. Um, because he's fucking really quick at making films, you know what I mean? So you can tell. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So so yeah, um, you know, so what I've got Dawn of the Mo- I've got in my podcaster, I've got Dawn of the Mummy coming up in a couple of weeks, and that is that is not good. And like, you know, so like I think um 
when he's a gun for hire, he's exceptionally bad. Um, yeah. When he's like interested in what's going on, he, he's a bit better. But um, yeah, I, I, I totally. If, if you're not into it, I would not argue with that at all. To be yeah. honest with you, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I see. I like Dawn of the Mummy. I mean, the first the first hour is is absolutely yeah, quite dull. But I don't know. I think <laughs> I, I think the end. I think the last half an hour of it though is like, whoa, okay. Now it, it it kind of ramps up in the last half an hour for me, and it's like, oh, okay. And it to me, it redeems it a little bit. Like you've been waiting a while, but then when it kicks in, it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> but but yes, it is. Um, it is very laborious to get through the first hour. But like I said, I don't mind it sometimes if that I have to work for a little. If if I get a big payoff, and I think for me, Dawn of the Mummy does give a a decent payoff at the end. Mm-hmm. That's fair enough. I mean, yeah, I, you know, I, I think, yeah, I, so I think a lot of Frank, like Frank and like John Rollin. I mean, I love John Rollin. So I've, mm. I've been going back and doing like um, the stuff that's on BFI player, so Fascination and Grapes of Death yeah. and stuff like that recently. And yeah. that's all quite surreal and strange, but but mm. fun. I, I really enjoy it. But I don't think there's a lot of the Franco stuff that you'd put on BFI player. Do you know what I mean? Without being too well, snobby. It. No, I, I completely agree because from what from what, I, what I've seen, um, a lot of them just look like they've, they've been really badly made. There's loads of these like crazy zoom in shots that that just sort of go too close to the action to so a blares and then they zoom back out again and I just think, oh, anyone can do that. Um, so I think maybe it's just a case of you know I just I don't quite get it mm-hmm. really. So Mario Galeazzo, have we seen any any of his other films? Yes, I've seen. Um... Go on. Sorry, Go on, he did Andy. he did a cannibal movie in the um, mid eighties called Amazonia. Or it's sometimes called uh, the Catherine Miles story, something like that. Not a uh, not, not a bad take on the. Uh, it's much less nasty than the the sort of golden era of cannibals, but uh, yeah. it's basically about like a, a girl who goes um, goes on like a sort of a, a trip into the into the jungle with her auntie and uncle, and her auntie and uncle kind of lose her over the river, and she gets like kidnapped by a tribe she gets yeah, raised with them for a bit and it's kind of a bit like man from deep river which is like the umberto lenzi one yeah and yeah. she kind of you know establishes a place in the tribe and like gets respect and then she basically travels back to civilization so she can take revenge on her auntie and uncle it's actually not a bad movie and it's got um like you know quite some quite gory bits and it's quite quite an adventure type thing and it doesn't actually have any of the animal violence as well so it's um it's like that's a, always a plus yeah it's, a, it's like a, you know it's 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 clearly of the same ilk as the later cannibal films where they'd kind of relaxed a little bit and just gone more towards the fun so that's the only other film of his that i've seen but that's actually quite a decent decent flick really so um so he you know he only had a small filmography though from what i've read so uh yeah, yeah. He, like he did um he did a lot of uh, was it spaghetti westerns and like some Poliziotesky films himself. He did, he yeah. did, and he was also um, he was also a hardcore ufologist as well. He was obsessed with oh, was he? aliens and UFOs. Oh, okay, um, and um, he uh, <laughs> he made a sci-fi film called Eyes Behind the Stars not long before this, and then the year before he made a sci-fi sex comedy called Very Close Encounters of the Fourth Kind. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my! Which I love. Yeah, oh. he sounds like a character. Um, but then, yeah, when they saw sort of that uh, hardcore erotica and jelly was sort of melding through like Jello of Venezia and stuff, mm. um, that's 
that's why they came up with this with play motel so it looks and, like he you know, so it looks like he piggybacked him a little bit on like what was popular at the time that he was making films then really isn't it um, kind of the italian way yeah I suppose. yeah um, but yeah, I'm glad that he did. I'm glad that he gave us this little sleazy opus, and I'm so happy to have introduced you two boys to it as well. Absolutely, thank you. Yeah, thanks very much. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think if you've got anything else to say before we wrap up, or mm, no, I don't think so. <laughs> um, so, Chris, you mentioned that you're going to be podcasting about the about Jess Franco's Mummy film next. So, do you want to tell the listeners where they can hear your Video Nasties podcast? Uh, yeah, so VisionNastiesPodcast.com is a very badly put together website that I haven't changed <laughs> in about eight years. And also, or if you go to the LastHorrorPodcast.com, that's also got all, like, that's pretty much got everything I've done in the last 10 years. I'm celebrating 10 years of podcasting this month, apparently. Wow, that's I amazing. Know the old man of podcasting as I am. That's great. That's great. What about you, Andy? Have you, have you got any, have you got any more nasty pasties in the offing? Uh, well, to be honest, I've had one that's been in the can for a while. Um, I was covering um, kind of an obscure Jello type film called The Girl from Room 2A. And right. I, the problem is I've watched it so long ago now. I, I watched it literally in the first couple of weeks of the pandemic hitting the world. <laughs> and um, yeah. I, it's been so long, I'm going to have to rewatch it in order to actually figure out what to talk about. So it's right. um, it's going to be probably going to be a while before I put another episode out. But uh, I have got a schedule going, but it's just uh, yeah. neither here nor there at the moment, you know. But uh, nasty pasty is still there. You can. I've got a huge backlog of easily over a hundred episodes that I've done. Wow. Uh, by, so I started it about three years ago. So yeah. I did one every week for like a year and a half. So that's good going. Yeah. A lot, a lot. I don't know how I did it, <laughs> especially when I look at my, <laughs> um, my work sort of productivity now, but, um, but yeah, you can find that on iTunes. It's on uh, Podbean and lots of other podcatchers, but, um, and we've also got, um, our Twitter page as well. So just type in nasty pasty pod and you should be able to find it. No problem. Fabulous. And like, just like Andy, um, Screaming Queens also has a huge backlog. That sounds filthy. <laughs> um, and um, we've got over 100 episodes that you can go back and listen to. So um, do give us a listen, uh, screamingqueens.pogbean.com or iTunes or anywhere. And um, you can get me on Twitter at Johnny Larkin. Where can you get Chris on Twitter? It's at orange underscore monkey. And Andy? Uh, mine's Rackety Espris. Um, and on that filthy note, I will bid you both good night and um, I'll see you in um, the Play Motel. <laughs> yes. I will be behind the one way mirror, uh, snapping various <laughs> photographs on my mobile phone. And I will be drinking in that horrible bar. <laughs> oh, God. So, uh, as, uh, make, as wash the glass first. <laughs> yes. So evidently, John is the one that's writhing on the blood-like uh, bedspread. No, I'll be, uh, I'll be, I'll be dressed as a cardinal and, and appearing in luxurious women. <laughs> See you, boys. Bye. Bye. Oh,